Yo, what is up everyone? This is the Twice Over Film Club and I'm your host Faraz. We're back this week to discuss Elizabethtown in depth and despite the overall sentiments for this film, we thought there was a lot to like as well. Look, the tally can be as high as 74. That's not bad at all. Anyway, check out thetwiceover.com and see all the other movies we've watched and how we scored all of those. And then follow us at the Twice Over on all the socials to keep up with our watch schedule. Alright, it's myself, Yusuf, and Farhan for this one. So overall, this movie, it's about a character, Drew Baylor, who's played by Orlando Bloom. <laughs> he pretty much screws up big time at work, gets fired, and that same night, he gets the news that his father has passed away in Kentucky. So it's on his way to Kentucky that he meets Claire, who's a stewardess, and she forcefully sparks up a conversation with him, and the story kind of goes from there. And obviously, it's a, it's a romantic comedy. Uh, we mentioned that in the preview. But yeah, it looks like me and Yusuf are very much aligned here on the narrative. Mm-hmm. Farn, what do you like about the narrative here? Um, I mean, 75 isn't like, it's average, right? Yeah, but more or less. There's, um, honestly, what's what's making me give this even a, a 75 score is the, the scenes that I remember very fondly from watching this when I was, you know, 10, 12 years ago. <laughs> um... And uh, and I think that they do a really good job of capturing your emotion or just tugging at your heartstrings at certain times, just like he does in all of his movies. Mm-hmm. And um, it's for those scenes that I give it really uh, that I give it a seventy-five. Otherwise, oh, mention the <laughs> like scenes. I said, it's a pretty trash narrative. <laughs> what are the scenes? Uh, just like, um, let me think here. Um, so the funeral scene where. Um, the mom, Holly Baylor, Susan Sarandon, is it? That's kind. Of, it's not really narrative though. This is kind of a combination of writing and acting, I guess. But um, I really loved that scene. Like I love the scene basically, of basically that she does. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, and just her kind of performing, sort of in front of her husband for his family that she never got to do when he was alive. I don't know. There was some. There was some thought. Uh, some very thoughtful. Um, Stuff as far as that goes. I, w- I would say I probably hacked this movie on narrative because, like, the broad structure actually is, is not bad. Um, and I, I think I think it's it's fine. Um, it was more so, like, the execution of the plot that I felt was kind of disjointed. Um, mm-hmm. I, I almost feel like, you know, trying to, you know, if I was trying to put the puzzle pieces of this movie together myself, I f- almost feel like there's a way to fit these things and nicely transition between the different, um, the different segments of this movie. Um, they didn't do it well, but like, I almost feel like uh, the potential was there. Like maybe you could have gotten it. So like, like I said, I think it's, 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 you know, structurally not horrible. Um, I, I probably am faulting Cameron Crowe a little bit for, for the execution. So no, I don't um, think so. I think it's, I think it's fair. I mean, like I said, 75 is average. There's, I don't, it's not, if this is not a movie that I recommend for, um, because of the narrative, but there are a couple of scenes. Like, honestly, if I could just compile those, uh, those couple of scenes and just make people watch those, then, you know, you, you know, don't need to watch the whole movie. Some <laughs> scenes that I really enjoyed, um, this in terms of how Cameron Crowe is able to capture the emotion behind it or <laughs> When Claire and Drew are on the phone and like talking throughout the entire night, right? Those couple right. times that that happens, it was just done very well. I mean, you can kind of tell just how easy Claire is to talk to and how necessary it was for Drew to like basically open up. Yeah, 
And I think I think that's exactly what I what I came away with as well, where it's just like if you want to be in this movie just to root for for Drew and Claire, I think I think the narrative is actually fine in that regard. Right. Like it gives you that and it, it lends to that. Um, you know, if you're going to go picking at more stuff, then then, you know, there's probably little else for you to kind of be excited about. But like it really hits on that. Right. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it hits on the rom-com aspect. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Um, so what, on the writing, what did you guys get for what did you guys rate it for writing? For writing, I gave it a ninety. What right. you got, Yusuf? Oh, um, I um, I'm at a fifty-five, guys. Okay, a fifty-five. Yeah, that's yeah. interesting. Okay, interesting. Eighty-five. Uh, Cameron Crowe writes movies really, really, really well. Dialogue, especially, it's very quirky, very clever, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. This is witty. Um, that's what I wrote down. Witty, right? Fifty-five, though. You're not a fan, huh? You didn't find yeah, a lot so, of things funny? I thought the writing was really funny. This actually. is so quotable. This movie is very quotable. So I, I felt like it was intending to be quotable. Does that does that make sense? Um, it does. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think there's there's a lot of moments. First of all, there's there's like hardcore cliche stuff in here that, that didn't like that I didn't like, but there was also like there's moments where they're trying to be extremely poetic or extremely um, you know, like deep. inspiring yeah, deep, deep and inspiring right. and i felt like they put like and this is coming from the narration which obviously we count in the in the writing score right not just dialogue some of the narration mm-hmm. it felt like they were doing that and they were like laying that out and i was like the scene that's playing behind that narration i'm like what does Doesn't this have fit. to do with that yes. statement and so i think that's where i was like i i even if I like the writing, I was like, I can't count this as a positive because it's just like, what is it talking about? It's almost like it came from a different moment. Um, so I think that's where I scored down. But you're right. There, there, there is a lot of kind of inspiring. Um, they're, they're, they have those moments, right? Um, but I just, yeah, I felt some of it was a little bit canned, a little bit disconnected. So I, and I 100% agree with you on that. The, but I fault that on, um, I fault that more on the execution in terms of the acting. Or the direction of the acting, because it's freaking Orlando Bloom. I can't stand the dude. I, my wife was cracking up because uh, when I was writing this, she came in and she read my uh, notes and she literally read the line that says, I can't stand Orlando Bloom. He belongs in theater. <laughs> and um, right? Like, is that not true? This he is not, he's theater. not a great actor, dude. Uh, theater is, doesn't mean that you're a bad actor. I mean, no, 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 no. no it's, I think he he's does not a great, he's not a good movie roles. actor, man. Mm. Sorry, I, I feel like he does better in dramatic roles. Um, right, exactly. That's what I mean. So he needs to be. He's such a. He's too dramatic. I'm not gonna even say for this movie. He's just too dramatic for me, dude. <laughs> yeah. So the near the the areas where he was narrating something, it's like really inspiring, and it's like this, and he sounds like he's introducing the next iPhone, and he's talking about like. Uh, like committing suicide, and I'm like, dude, this isn't this doesn't fit. Yeah, it yeah. does not fit, you know. But that's all in execution because there are bits of dialogue that are executed so well. Alec Baldwin, in my opinion, is the best actor in this movie, and <laughs> he's in the movie for like a minute. <laughs> but when he when he says and he's tell when he's talking to Drew about all the um all the things that he has to give up because Drew screwed up so badly. But he's not like yelling at him. He's just telling him like, you know, this is the stuff he could have done. But, you know, I am ill-equipped in the philosophies of failure. Walk with me, Drew. My basketball team. They don't even know yet. 
My global environmental watchdog project will have to go. Sweet people. We could have saved the planet. But how do I make the concept of $972 million more real to you? It's the operating budget of a mid-sized country, a small civilization. It's big. It's so big, you could round it off to a billion dollars. I cry a lot lately. The promise of a global future. Pinned to a groundbreaking shoe, your design, with a new form of material launched this week to great fanfare, and now meeting a growing international roar of laughter and rejection. Enough to cause this memo from Jeffrey Barlow, CEO of DCS. This once highly anticipated product may actually cause an entire generation to return to bare feet. <laughs> wow. We are about to enter a free-fall plunge. Sound you hear is the sound of shit hitting the fan. And he and I love the part where he says, It's so big you can round it off to a billion dollars. <laughs> and then he just grabs his hand and he's like, I cry a lot lately. Like that's brilliant, dude. That is such brilliant comedy writing. Yeah. But do you think anyone but, other than Alec Baldwin could have could have done that? Like I know I, he's so good at it. So I I mean no. it, almost I, I was like, Well, the writing was probably okay, but the acting in that is just sublime oh, yeah. right oh so, yeah yeah i think i think yeah this is like a, we have to draw a line between writing and acting a lot of times and it's like some of the narration i feel like i gotta put that on the writing because somebody's like sitting there saying like hey like <laughs> orlando like say this line for us to yeah. record and we're gonna yeah. put it yep. up like you it's know like what? the most like, purposeful part of it yeah yep. so it's the parts you're right it's the parts that were forced right so that leads me to another piece of dialogue pieces like this actually kept it from giving me a higher score when they're in the airport and they're walking and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, Susan Sarandon's like stops. And she's like, "Oh my god, I gotta call people." Yeah, and I'm then, a widow. Hor- I'm a widow, right? Like horrible, horrible acting, horribly executed scene, horrible piece of dialogue written poorly, right? Yeah. Um, and then also, one of my biggest problems with this movie was this this idea or like this saying that their dad always said that's supposed to be like really inspiring dude i was and they all literally gonna bring that up because it, it's right after the moment you just mentioned in the airport yes because right? they they all huddle together and she's like now what was it that dad always said <laughs> if it wasn't this it would be something else yeah and they're all supposed to like what? say it in unison and they don't actually <laughs> they're like a little bit off when they try to all say it together um, yeah and, and that also like, <laughs> that also doesn't that's also just a piece of obvious like piece of information for the world if it wasn't this it would be something else so yeah like okay, my, my, my question what, there was like what are you referring to are you saying that like right. if this didn't kill me something else would and i was like that's fine but how does that make you feel better about the fact that you're you know you're dealing with a loss it doesn't and yeah like, I was like, why, okay. would, why would that be his motto throughout his life while he's alive? right <laughs> how is that a positive idiom like if it wasn't this it would be something else okay i think they just ran out of things to say then there's pieces like, you know, Jesse, the cousin, who executed some of his dialogue pieces so well. Mm, yeah, um, I liked him. 
You know, when he says, like, this loss will be met by a hurricane of love. Like, I loved that. <laughs> he And he he was good. Like, I, I was almost, like, thinking. Like, he was, like, Will Ferrell-esque in that role. Mm. Will Ferrell. Um, you know <laughs> like, who, so, you know who he is? You guys have seen, have you guys seen Parks and Rec? Yes. Here and there. You remember the dude who was the, um, was in the, he was, like, the head of the department before Amy Poehler? Like, he was there, and then he was going out with Anne. Mm, okay. That's this guy, and I had no idea. I've watched this movie 30 times, and I had no <laughs> idea that it was the same dude. I didn't, re- yeah, I, I didn't recognize him from anywhere. So, uh, but look, he 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 was he was good. Like he was a standalone actor, like in yeah. a lot of ways, where he just he he was able to be the comic relief without really anyone to play off of because nobody nobody was doing that with him other than like his right. son. What, what's the son's name? Samson. Uh, <laughs> that that guy was great too. Um, but yeah, like I mean, he he was just he was able to carry some of that load on his own. I thought he was really good actually, and he's not going to get credit for it because it's just like this comedic mm. role on the side or whatever but yeah i mean it was very well executed that part he well acted right yeah. so yeah a good combination of writing and acting with him actually is when he's showing the poster of he's yeah. gonna perform or open for <laughs> leonard, so, skinner. Ruckus. The band was. leonard skinner yeah leonard skinner and then the, he keeps going he's like oh yeah so we're under them we're right there oh and then we never actually so he goes he goes we open, open for leonard skinner and he's like goes to the poster he's like look at that keep going and he's like looking down. He's looking down. Camera pans down slowly on the poster. He's like, "Keep going." That poster was the great. Small text, also ruckus. Yeah. And he's like, "Well, was- we we <laughs> almost <laughs> open for them." It's so funny, dude. Yeah. I, the the poster itself, like, I, it was hard to see it all like very quickly, but like, it's like literally like, okay, like here's the main, you know, the headliner. Here's the opening act for them. Here's who's performing on the side stage. Here's who else is in the building, and then like all the way at the bottom yeah. is Ruckus. Um, it literally says also Ruckus. It just says also. <laughs> and then he starts singing, and there's like in the middle of him singing, there's some kid screaming in the background. Yeah, I thought there was some good comedy there in the writing for sure. And then Jesse was one of those actors that executed it well. Right. Speaking of acting, let's talk about our acting score. I give it a 65. Yeah, I went with a 75. 75 for me. Um, And on that note, I wanted to mention, like, what I wanted to ask, actually. Like, so we put our baseline for like an average score around a 70 right but like when you give something a 70 or a 75 what exactly does that mean to you does that mean that's like solid or does that mean that's like nothing to nothing worth mentioning good question so uh for me it a 75 score which is average to me that would mean one of two things that would mean either overall everybody was just average they weren't bad. They were just average. Or, which is more often the case for the movies that we do, there's some bits of really good acting and then there's some bits that are just terrible. Mm-hmm. And the only reason I'm rating it highly are because of the bits of great acting in it. Because otherwise, if that Jesse dude was not in the movie, Alec Baldwin was not in the movie, certain scenes with Kirsten Dunst were not in here, this would be like a 40, you know? So um, that's what that means for me. What about you guys? Faraz, how do you feel about that? Uh, for me, it's not so much on, you know, main actors versus supporting actors. It's how many times in the movie I get taken out of the movie because mm. of bad acting. So in this movie, there was a couple times that I did. Specifically, um, Orlando Bloom. Uh, like One scene that comes to mind right now is, you know, after the night he spends with um, Claire in the hotel like he runs out the next morning and he's like 
and he, he basically confesses to her like hey everyone's gonna find out that i'm a total failure yeah. on monday and he's like i lost the company a billion dollars not, not a million like, yeah. the way he's just saying it it's just i was like all right yeah. man this is stupid uh it's cringy it's bad acting so it's moments like that the frequency of that is how i determine like how i rate the acting so if it happens more than a few times it's going to be definitely below average if it happens once or twice about average if it doesn't happen at all then it was clearly above average i mean i think i think i i agree on on how i assess what i'm going to score right and orlando bloom i think he he failed at several parts in this movie um and Mm -hmm. as the the main character he's you know the star uh that is worth a lot of you know points taken off However, I end up at a 75 and I almost walk out of this saying like, yeah, there's some really bad moments, but there's some other like really nice moments. And and like, yeah, like, you know, 75, like it's almost like a positive thing to me in a way, because, you know, I understand that's like a C. Right. <laughs> but like at the end of the day, the the standard is very high for what makes it um, out of Hollywood. You can argue me on that. Argue with me on that statement and say that, you know, Hollywood's a, a factory and a lot of stuff gets made that shouldn't get made. But in the end, I feel like something that gets made, um, it has to have merit. And a 75 is is not not horrible. And if I see a seven out of, out of 10 rating on any ratings website right, or movies, right. I'm going to be like, hey, that's pretty good. You know what I mean? Um, so from that standpoint, I, I think I was I'm at a 75, but I was fairly positive about the acting in the end with a lot of holes. And I, I that's why right. I scored it down. So I think that's a great, yeah. I mean, if you were to take the best acting moments in this movie, right? And if it was consistent throughout the movie, w- it, it would be rated pretty highly, correct? Yeah, yeah. If you took the worst acted parts in this movie, <laughs> even from the main actors, by the way, who is the worst actor in this movie? Um, and that was what the whole movie was consistently, then this would be horrible. So that's a medium between the two. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, 100%. And um, so, I mean, that, but that's just worth considering, I guess, because, you know, you, you can probably see that a, a lot of our scores, even the movies that we end up liking, the, the, the average score is somewhere in the 70s in the end. And, and I think that's okay. You know, that doesn't mean a horrible, horrible thing. Um, but it, it takes a lot to really get up into, you know, that higher echelon of uh, a high yes. 80s or a 90s. You know, like that. Yes. Just, it's very difficult to do that. Even if you like a movie, it's probably not going to end up there. So uh, worth right. noting. Um, but getting back into the acting, um, Kirsten Dunst, I thought, was better. Um, I, I didn't oh, like, great. I didn't yeah. like that That's Southern accent solid. very much. And it seemed to phase in and out at different parts, but that aside, um, you know, I think she was the better actor of the pair. I also felt like maybe they didn't have the best chemistry, um, or not natural chemistry, I would say. So yeah. I think th- you can see when that happens, that the director has to be a little bit more overbearing to kind of, uh, execute his vision. Um, but you know, once that's too transparent then it kind of ruins the moment so that's how i felt um i felt Mm -hmm. like they were trying to make up for the lack of natural chemistry there maybe um but you know i I, like like we discussed i probably put that more on orlando bloom than i do on kristen dunst yeah i think she did honestly so her character is very similar to kate huston's character in almost famous would you agree with that for us i mean um very like down to earth charming not shy you know she's very real outspoken um, she's not trying to be something she's not. She's authentic. And so that's kind of the character that he loves to put in uh, for his female roles, for his main female roles. If you look at Jerry Maguire, if you remember uh, Renee Zellweger in that movie, she was the same kind of thing. Somebody who's like, he always tries to go for the underdog. 
the substitute people, if you will. Um, hey, and that's uh, what he topical. makes his characters. Um, so she does a really good job at being somebody who is a substitute person, but has the energy of somebody that is, well, you know, not. And um, I, I think I talked about it almost famous, but I, and maybe it's just me, but he kind of makes you fall for these characters at times, you know, because you kind of, uh, you know, you can think of people in your life who you crushed on that were exactly like that or some aspect of that, if that's what you were into. Or you assumed or presumed that they were like that. Right. You assume, right. It's the, the idea of that is what you kind of like fell for. And that's, that's, that's what Kirsten Dunst kind of plays in this movie. I th- her acting at times falters, but I thought she did a pretty good, really like a really good job overall. Yeah, but I will say I do agree, Yusuf. That accent—I don't even know if it's really a Southern accent, like an Appalachian accent or something—but it's it's like a little off. Like I think that's just Kentucky, dude. Didn't roll off the tongue. Maybe yeah. That's what I'm yeah, I think she was unable to maintain accent. it, also. Um, and again, that points to like the yeah. director being like, "Hey, hey, do do the accent," <laughs> and like uh, she's like trying, and then it just keeps like you know fading out. It slips. Mm. Yeah. Who else uh, is in this movie? There's uh, so we we talked about. I, I think Susan Sarandon overall was a positive. Um, you know, there's moments like you said, especially uh, in the airport that we didn't like. But that scene at the memorial, as much as I thought the like the what they what they wrote in terms of the what's going to happen in that scene, um, I I thought she was great on stage, and like you really just end up enjoying that right. moment, right? Um, right. So like that's just you know that that's her. Um, that that's her, you know, kind of natural charisma that's just carrying you, right. I think. Um, I, I think that's the only time that she was good in this movie. And not because of she's not a good actor, because she was not written, her, her character was not written for a while, in my opinion. You know, I just don't, like, they made her too hectic at every other point in the movie, forced hectic, mm-hmm. I should say. Yeah. Like, it wasn't, it didn't seem like somebody who was anxious. It looked like somebody who was like 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 Farah said, we were taken out of the movie and we saw the process of somebody acting in a play, acting as a acting as somebody who is like anxious. But in the end, we could see the process. Not actually anxious. We couldn't see the process. I couldn't see the process in the funeral scene. Like that was such a great um, that was such a great scene. You know, when she did cry, it was very. Uh, it was very natural and very real and heartfelt in that just in that scene though. <laughs> Outside of that scene, she didn't have a shining moment for me. Yeah, I, I mean, I think I'd agree. I and I the, at the top of my notes page, you know, I literally wrote. I think the acting was not credible in a lot of scenes. Um, right. And that is that is you know that carries through not just for her but for a lot of people. I will put a big disclaimer on that and say that grieving. A loss is a very complex and difficult to understand process. Nobody 100%. does. Nobody does it the same. And so I think us looking at a portrayal of it and saying like it's not believable. This is not what a person would do in that situation. That's a little bit. You know, that's that's missing the point. And I, I think part of the point of this movie is you know the fact that everyone grieves in different ways. So kind of imprinting our own particular type of grieving on the characters hard to do. Um, but you know, nonetheless, just looking at it, I was like, this doesn't feel real. So in the end, regardless of how I feel about that, you know, if you're taken out, you're taken out. There's nothing you can do about that, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So Judy Greer, by the way, 
limited in this movie, but I thought great as per usual. She just, you know, she just does Judy Greer. She's she's a little bit comical. She ends up being super annoying, but like I just love her annoying. <laughs> it's like, uh, you know, it's annoying in the moment, but like later you're just like cracking up about it. There were times when she was also kind of like cringy, but. She cracks me up in almost everything that she is. Isn't in, she though. cringy, like by design to a degree? Though that's sort of her deal. Yeah, yeah, exa- that's exactly what I thought. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Paula Deen's in this movie, by the way, too. Oh, is that that's Paula Deen? Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> my mom was watching this with me, and she was like, "That's the that's the southern uh, lady from the cooking channel." That's that's, that's pa- true. And, and I was I was like, "No, it looks like her, but it's not her." And she's like, "No, that's Paula Deen." And I was like, "No, it's not. It just looks like her." And she was like, "No, that's Paula Deen." And then finally, I looked it up. Um, I forgot she existed, kind of. Um, she became. She pro- was pretty good. Yeah, she was fine. <laughs> I didn't notice that it was her. So you know, usually when there's a celebrity that doesn't know how to act, it's like you know a sore thumb sticking out. But um, wasn't that because I. I kept trying to convince myself. I mean, she was doing exactly what she does in real yeah, life. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah she yeah. became problematic at some point, didn't she? I kind of forgot. <laughs> yeah, she did. She then got caught yeah. with the N-word Well, dude, no. She had a plantation wedding. <laughs> she had a plantation-themed wedding. Um, not wedding. Uh, some kind of thing. She had some kind of... Uh, maybe it was for her kid or something. There was a plantation-themed event. What does that mean? Like, she had, like, house I, slaves? Was, like, I, don't, I don't know. But that's, what I, that's the headline like, that I remember. Cause that would be crazy. That'd be way worse than what it was. Where everyone dressed up as, uh, you know, plantation workers, and uh, sounds like the whole oh thing. Oh my god! I don't even <laughs> want to look it up. All right, well, let's go into themes. I gave it an eighty. <laughs> I also gave it an eighty. Uh, Seventy for me. Uh, I think. I think. Okay, so pretty good. Yeah, there, there, there's there's stuff in here. I mean, especially. Uh, I, I think you can pull a lot of depth out of this if you're if you're looking for it, um, and and that's good. It's there if you're kind of interested in it. It's not slapping you in the face if you don't want it. Yeah, it's definitely there, and it's very subtle, and it's also very well executed. I think Cameron Crowe did a great job of getting the entire feel of you know mourning, like a loss, like you said, Yusuf. Like everyone does it differently, and this movie kind of shows that, mm-hmm. right? Um, like how how the wife. Uh, I become like it's filled with filled with anxiety and is trying to substitute her feelings with some activity and like doing other things. Uh, how his hometown in Kentucky of Elizabethtown, like how everyone there, how they're memorial memorializing him versus how uh, Drew wants to do it, which is you know kind of detached and just wants to take him back to Oregon. Um, like yeah, I just thought it was very well done and. Again, I know we talk about coming of age as if it's uh, something only for young people or young being like adolescents or teenagers or something. Uh, but you could kind of argue that this is kind of a coming of age thing for yeah. sure. Drew, for Orlando Bloom's character, right? Because he has a major life event, um, two, in fact, one him getting fired and then the death of his father. And then that Claire is the catalyst to have him get through it and grow from it. And then how the entire community in Elizabethtown helps him process everything. I even outside of the grieving, you know, mourning death kind of aspect, I love the, I guess the, like rooting for the underdog aspect in this movie, um, where like you know he he he's coming from like this big city to this little tiny town, um, and then just like falls in love with the. Um, with the people there and all that stuff. I have n- I don't know what it's like in Kentucky, but um it seemed very charming and very appealing. Um 
and so yeah that southern hospitality yeah yeah so i think just the way that they portray that i know that's not really a theme per se but i um i, I just really enjoyed how they um i guess how they portrayed that like sometimes the best things or sometimes the beautiful things don't come in the you know prettiest fanciest uh sparkliest packages let me let me try to turn that into a theme actually because i think i think you're, you're well you're that saying, is it i just said it and, and, but, and you're, <laughs> you, you but you started out saying that like maybe this isn't really a theme i think yeah, i, I no, think it right, totally yeah. is man I, I think you're right yeah um, I, I think I think it fits in this category because there's there's something here. I'll, I'll be honest. I thought they tried to force this theme of like you know they start out with a couple of um, really like specific narrations where he's like uh, you know uh, point, but it was like something a fiasco makes people feel alive at the thought that it's you know happening to somebody else and not them and like uh, you know the difference between success and greatness. Uh, you know nobody cares about. Uh, you know, o- nobody cares about greatness. They only care about success, right? Um, and and actually, you know, it is a bit forced, but that the whole idea that he goes back there and he's a fraud the entire time he's there because you know the article has not come out about his fa- failure, mm-hmm. so everyone still thinks he's this big shot, and he just gets to connect with these people. Um, the the fact that you know you don't need the the big job and the big you know paycheck in order to to, to be great and have a mm. great life, right? Um, I, I think I think those scenes did capture that. And I, is that is that fair to to put with you know? I, I'm kind of yeah. I'm kind of absolutely. speaking for what I think you were trying to say. I mean, so if you disagree, let me know. But I I, I really thought that was well captured, and and that uh, that small town uh, you know charm. Uh, I think that's what it is to me. Yeah, absolutely. So thanks. Yeah, it doesn't <laughs> matter where you come from or what you do. Like, you know, like while you're there, you're just, you're part of the family. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think the, the, another thing that I really liked in terms of thematic elements, um, the way that th- they kind of do this portrayal of the way that other people's, um, guilt and sympathy and condolences, um, ends up overwhelming or, or even burdening the people who actually need to grieve. Um, you know, mm. Drew is ready to commit suicide before his sister calls him and, and says like, look, you know, our father passed away. You need to, you need to go deal with this. This is your responsibility, right? So suddenly he's like, okay, I have to deal with this thing. Um, no time to process that, you know, his father just died. Uh, I need to go deal with this thing because, you know, I'm the oldest and no one else is going to deal with it. He gets there and did you guys notice how uh, he kept having to, you know, give everyone their chance to to talk to him about about his father. Uh, it's almost like he's doing them the favor of, like, letting them get it off their chest. And he, they even go to the point where he's telling other people, you know, you know, my condolences. <laughs> condolences. That was right? hilarious. Um, and and <laughs> that that was one moment where I loved it and it was kind of subtle. But, um, you know, the what's the cousin's name? Jesse. Yeah, Jesse kind of pulls him aside. He's like, you know, I, I, that was kind of weird. And then I, I know you, you think you're doing the right thing, but you should let people give you the condolences. It's an, incom- <laughs> he, like, it's an incoming that. phrase. Yeah. <laughs> so I, like, I, I thought they were doing a good job of portraying that. And the time it really hit home was when he goes back to the hotel and there's that wedding going on at the hotel, right? And he's kind of just stuck in that environment. And Chuck, yeah. the, the groom who he just met, as soon as he mentions his 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 father died, he's stuck standing in front of Chuck and letting Chuck cry on his shoulder. And Chuck is crying about Drew's dad that he never met. And 
Drew ends up having to comfort him. Um, and he's just like, this is another thing I have to deal with. You know, I have to let everyone get their feelings out to me because it was my dad that died. Um, mm-hmm. So I thought that was just really interesting. Later, I think Judy Greer even asks him, like, have you cried yet? And he's like, it's almost like as, as if it hasn't occurred to him to cry. Um, mm-hmm. So I thought that was really mm-hmm. interesting. And it's very true in a lot of ways where, you know, uh, everyone kind of gets caught up on doing their part as part of this whole grieving process. Um, and it's very it can be very tough on the people who are most affected. Yeah, we don't he doesn't, uh, I guess, really let it process until he's in the car ride back home. Claire, right? Claire lets him do that. Yeah, she she. Yeah, exactly. That. All right. So we can go on to our aesthetic scores here. I give it a 60. Uh, I'm with an 80. 60 for me. I'm probably I'm probably overrating this. Uh, but the reason I rate it so highly is not because of the visuals. visuals. It's because of the music. So yeah. Cameron Crowe is, um, I mean, he's so good, in my opinion, of creating mood with music, especially like feel good, like a feel good mood. That's why like so much of the work that is done in the scenes that we're talking about, it's done by the music. The the um, funeral scene, for example, with Susan Sarandon, music is half of the sentiment in that scene. Yeah, feel good, nostalgia, like right. kind of gives you that vibe. And we we all like talked about it in Almost Famous mm-hmm. as well, and like, how good it was in doing doing that. Yeah, I thought the music honestly was really heavy, um, and and I think it was pr- like the music's not bad. I actually quite liked a lot of the m- music. And it sounds like you agree, Farhan. Um, Mm -hmm. I thought it was used so heavily. Um, It's quite loud as well. I mean, just in terms of leveling, it's extremely loud on the scenes that it plays over uh, to the point that it becomes something of the focus. Um, And and I think that's that's kind of what bothered me. Um, You know, of course, it's it's conveying emotion on its own. um, But, you know, you don't want to go too heavy with that, in my opinion. So I, I kind of I kind of scored it down probably for that. And I can see that. Here's the thing about Cameron Crowe is that he is a huge uh, music like buff, especially like 80s, 70s, 80s, like rock kind of stuff. Um, that's why huge references, you know, Leonard Skinner and stuff like that. And you hear their music throughout his movies. Almost Famous is about that whole thing. Almost Famous is supposed to be like an autobiography. Um, so that's why he uses music a lot. And honestly, I feel like for him... When he makes a movie, it's partly to show a story and then it's partly just to be like, hey, listen to this good music alongside of it. Here's a track. Here's a music track. So music <laughs> is huge. Like, he's think sh- about the road trip, right? Music, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The idea of the road trip that he takes where there are specific songs to listen to for specific times, you know? It, it's, a huge, it's a huge thing just for him in general. So I can understand. It's not for everybody. And I can understand you being like, it's really in your face. And it, it it I could argue, arguably it is, but I think that's for him. That's sort of that's like yeah, well yeah, that's the point. You should know what you're getting into when you're watching my movie. And he's almost that's why it's to, not for everybody. He's trying to have like an emblematic soundtrack, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Have you guys seen um, Garden State? Yes. This yeah. comes to mind because uh, yes, we're talking about 2005. The Garden State came out in 2004, and I'm not saying, but I'm kind of saying <laughs> that that soundtrack of Garden State is like 
you know, it's like famous almost, right? Because when that movie came out, like every song in that movie became a popular song. That soundtrack was like, you know, it, it was it was so iconic. Um, and, you know, I don't think he's trying to do the same thing, but like the amount of music uh, that is used in this movie and how heavy it is reminded me of that. I don't think it was as effective as it was in Garden State. But like I said, I kind of liked all his choices of music nonetheless. So Well, so um, I can see how you would come up with that, with the similarities to Garden State. Um Trying to find yourself the on this problem like, you know, is, weird uh, trip to this faraway town. I mean, there are. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, definitely. And uh, Garden State is a way better acted movie. Yeah. From what I remember, <laughs> than this is. But um, most of the songs that are in this are not from this movie. They're not made for this movie or anything like that. They're not I mean, they're all old songs. Yes. Some yes, of them are yeah. maybe new. So, but I don't like. Uh, I I don't believe that he was trying to make like. Um, a like soundtrack for his movie right like hey guys check out this we're gonna make a lot of money from the cd that sells with this movie no i don't think he was trying to do that i think he's just trying to showcase songs that he loves there are so there's a couple of scenes this is gonna be incredibly corny but one of my scenes i think that i like uh one of my favorite scenes of anything i think ever of where music comes in the transition of music coming in is when they're on the phone and they're talking, you know, they go back and forth talking about different topics. It's obviously through time, like you're skipping through time. But when she's like, I think I've been asleep most of my life. And he says, me too. And then the Ryan Adams songs comes on the come pick me up song. But I loved uh, when that song came in at the moment that it did. It was like, it was just a perfect inclusion of that song. Uh, those were one of my most favorite scenes as well. Uh, this, uh, this is the phone conversations. And then for comedy, I think that one where... Uh, Drew's like on the phone with like four different people telling each one to be like to hold on while he talks to the other. <laughs> that yeah, was pretty yeah. funny. Back to the aesthetics though. Visually, I thought this movie like just felt so dated. And yeah. It's funny because for Almost Famous, we talked about how like timeless yep. it felt. But like Almost Famous is taking place, you know, in a specific period in the 70s. And the film is from like 1999. And it was five years prior to this, this movie. Was yeah, and this movie is a contemporary, so I just it just feels more dated because I don't know, like so I think that from the sets to the to the technology to even just like the vibe that I was getting, and this could be kind of the uh, the inconsistency yeah. you're talking about. Farin, you mentioned the music he's using is from you know a prior time period, but it's taking place in the two thousands. I don't know, it's just. So know. like visually it was like not a good movie. So the uh, no I and I there's one scene that I liked visually. Here's the thing. The beginning of this movie was very different than the rest of it. When he went to Elizabethtown, things took a drastic turn in turn in change of um one much thing. In terms of the visual vibe, I guess the you know, the visual philosophy of the movie because in the beginning there were some artistic kind of th- things that they were looking for. You know, the first scene the uh, the truck is just backing out and it's very symmetrical. Everything's very symmetrical. It's kind of things where that are kind of like Wes Anderson ish. I felt that in the, in the, like, uh, that opening sequence again, when he's trying to go up to Phil's office and like, he's telling us about his boss, Phil. And he's like, he's obsessed with the number two. And then you look and there's like two secretaries, uh, lined up right next to each other. All of that. Um, yeah, the doors, the paintings and like stuff like that. It was all very, it was very symmetrical. And I don't know, I, I don't know the, the reason why, but it, that was completely abandoned on once they got to the plane. 
and there was no longer any really thought towards let's see how good this is gonna look you know oh it might be interesting if we <laughs> shot this thing that way not that i noticed at least yeah i didn't notice anything you're right once it got to kentucky uh, it just it just became it just felt dated at that point. But I guess that's kind of the point, maybe to make it seem like so different. Yeah, you know, things have slowed right. down. They're a little more old school here. They're laid back. Uh, yeah. I I mean, However, I do love the scene of when they were um, I think this is, you know, after that kid, after the uh, Jesse's dad Simpson. said, you can't be friends with your son. And then there's a scene of them walking at night in the hot Kentucky heat. Jesse and uh, Drew, yeah. and he's just got his kid in his arms. I loved. I just that's like a very picturesque moment for me. Mm. Yeah, I know what you're talking. Was about. Was that yeah. supposed to read on on Drew and his father as well? Because I mean, you yeah. get the vibe in this movie that he just didn't yeah. really know his father. Um, yeah. And and I, I think mm-hmm. I think the point is that that's kind of that's that's a myth, right? That's something that we tell ourselves. But you you know you can know anyone, right? So. Uh, right. But I thought that was a nice parallel because he's he's dealing with that the entire movie, where like everyone's telling him about his father and how great he was. And he, like, he has a few childhood memories and that's it. Yeah. I wish what I, I wish that they did away with some stuff in favor of including more of an attachment with this guy and his father, because how is him taking this road trip? All of a sudden he's crying and he's talking to his dad and his his ashes, but he's never had a relationship with the guy. So how is like, how is he even having an emotional connection with the dude? Yeah. Uh, or maybe that's the point. I don't know. I, I felt like maybe they're trying to make a, a point there. Um, and, and I think it's a it's a fairly good point because, you know, you can have no relationship with with a parent and, and then that parent passes and it's still, you know, it hits you like a, like a thunderbolt. Right. Um, yeah, that's true. Yeah. And so I think at some level they're trying to tell us that you can have a relationship with someone beyond their death because he he gets that out of connecting with the people that loved his father, even mm, though he didn't know anything exactly. about his father. Um, you know, even I think uh, his sister tells him at some point, like, yeah, dad was a lot of fun those few years after you got super busy, right? And he, he just feels like, well, he missed the, <laughs> the real period where he could have gotten to know his father. Um, but he gets some of that back by going to Elizabethtown. Um, and so I think, I think maybe that's the, the point they're making. And I think it's a, it's a decent point. It is. And fine. I think there was some relationship because he always mentions how he was going to take this road trip to Kentucky with his dad. uh, But then he kept delaying it because of his job. And he kind of has that regret, obviously, once his dad passes. Oh, we should have been here like a year Mm -hmm, ago. No, that's true. So. I I do wish I I wish they put a little bit. I just do I for some I just wish they put more. I'm always wanting more for, for of that relationship. But also, so that and I wish also. I mean, there's a bunch of things that I wish. This movie has the potential to be great, right? <laughs> yeah, but like like I said, so I, many things that are let down. Uh, yeah, I think I think maybe it's just like the the execution. A lot of, we said we said in a lot of different ways that this movie feels a little bit disjointed. Um, we've said that in a lot of different ways, and I, I think that's kind of the the flaw here. And. And, you know, when that happens, it's kind of a, a very glaring flaw, I think. But like, like I said, the bones are, are pretty good. What's what's the other thing, Farn? Is it going to be Claire and her yeah, backstory? Yeah, um, not necessarily even her yeah. backstory, but... Um, Does Ben exist? What is the answer to this mystery? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's... Uh, um, no, that's like the... That's going to be the sequel to Tenet. <laughs> it turns it all, out the honestly, it all comes is back actually Drew's father. Um, <laughs> no, that was a protagonist, man. That's funny. Uh, ben was the protagonist. Yeah, no, I, I wish that there was more um, building up of that relationship because, like, what? Not even that. I wish that there was more redeeming qualities 
in Drew that she saw because literally he's just a yeah. bag. He's just a bag of, of like just emotions, emotions and anxiety. He's not like he just looks attractive. That's the only, <laughs> only redeeming characteristic that this guy has, and I refuse to believe that she fell for him just because of that. Yeah, I get what you're saying. I mean, that suicide attempt that we get to watch, that like I hated that scene, and I mean, it's mostly yeah. his, it's it's mostly the character I think, but like he he's like pumping his fists in the air because he was able to whatever attach a knife to his to his uh his you know exercise bike or whatever so he can basically stab himself to death without having to do the work. Um, yeah, and like he's like marveling at his creation, and then he he dumps all his possessions in the dumpster before he commits suicide. So that like yeah. when he changes his mind, he's like, oh shit, I don't have any stuff anymore. Uh, what Stupid. am I going to do? Like, what? what? Like, Well, he doesn't change his mind, right? Because even when he's in Elizabethtown, he like says something like to uh, Claire that... No, he didn't, yeah. He when didn't I change get it. back, I have a very dark um, date with Destiny he, or something right. like that. D- d- more so, he's, he's delayed... Implying yeah, that he's, he's still, delayed the decision. He hasn't, yeah, he hasn't a, changed his, his long-term trajectory, I guess. Yeah. One thing uh, I think, Farhan, where where you're talking about Claire not having enough or Drew not having enough uh, characteristic qualities about him that should make Claire Mm -hmm. fall for him. I think that conversation that she has about the substitute people, I think that really wraps it up very nicely of why she would Mm. uh, have feelings for him. Maybe. Because he also has like no attachments really to anyone, right? I mean, he has his girlfriend, Ellen. We didn't even mention Jessica Biel is in the movie. Yeah, um, that's for good reason. And <laughs> I mean, to be fair, she's in and, it, like, uh, like you know, he, yeah, yeah, I know. But like, uh, and like, he doesn't really have the relationship with his father, like we mentioned. Um, but I, I just thought, like, that was that, that scene is what kind of made it seem appropriate that Claire because she does a lot, so. right? She like she. She she does so much for him without really knowing him or without really getting any idea of who she is. Like the whole the fact that she like wrote up this like uber long scrapbook of like road trip instructions for him, um, just on a whim or whatever. Like I mean, it's like yeah. okay, that's that's a little bit that's a little bit much. You're, you're doing the most over there, um, right? But this I, I, girl is thirsty. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, that's uh, that's what I was trying not to say. <laughs> I mean, yeah. she, and she is, and but I mean, <laughs> and right, like the the whole thing about her being the substitute person that makes the point of of why she does that and why she why she likes that. That she just kind of sees that as her her role, right? To to jump in and and do what the person who isn't there to do what they should do, um, you know, she can take care of that or whatever, right? Um, and that 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 that's kind of how she feels internally. But I did think, I mean, yeah, like I just I would have liked more explanation beyond beyond that, I guess, because that whole like curated road trip concept, I actually like I loved that as a concept. Oh yeah. Like it would, I think that would have been great as a as a structure to the an entire movie that could be a, the structure of an right. entire movie basically but they squeezed it into like 10 minutes um so i felt kind of uh i felt kind of cheated there um and, and then and then it, it kind of cheapens the whole thing i felt so like again that's execution that's that's kind of uh obviously that comes down more to the the vision um mm-hmm. but yeah there's like pieces here that i'm like yeah you could have done something really nice with this yeah, and I wish that Orlando Bloom was just not in the movie. Um, that character needs to be darker. I mean, it just needs to. It, it needs to. Be, he can't be somebody who's like 
a dramatic actor and is narrating these things like he's um, trying to be inspiring. You know, it's just it, it feels a darker, like less, like a little bit more, maybe even laid back character than. Like it would have been a little bit more detached, maybe like then this, and then he turns into you know, then he falls for Kirsten Dunst, and then she changes him, like that would be a different that would be a different story. Like this would be a great movie, but sh- he himself doesn't really change from the beginning of the movie to the end of the movie. He doesn't. I mean, uh, I, I mean, I guess, I guess he. Yeah, we he know that he doesn't commit suicide. Change, That's the only thing that changes. He develops a relationship with a lot of people too, I guess, right? Um, but like, yeah. th- there's not enough of a backdrop to show that he was like a really non-personable person before that. Like, we don't, right. we don't, we don't get to see that. Uh, and then they kind of like they end on again these kind of dramatic quotes of like, you know, there's a narration of him at the end where he's like, you know, no true fiasco ever began as a quest for mere adequacy. And I was like, are, are you saying that you like really like? made a big strive for greatness in this movie and you risked it all and it paid off because I don't like that's not that's not the plot necessarily <laughs> so on that you brought a perfect uh, I was going to wonder how to bring this in there's another version to this movie oh Did- no way I saw two versions on Amazon Prime and I wasn't sure if it was like just like one was the HD or something tell me more so there is a I, I haven't watched it but I know what happens and I haven't watched it for because I don't want to the first version of this movie that came out was an extra i don't know i think it was like 13 14 minutes or something like that and his shoe actually ends up being a success dear oh. lord yeah i don't want it i don't want yeah. any part of it. <laughs> yeah 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 i don't i don't know where you would find the other version because i like i said i've never even seen it but i just know about it and if you look it up you'll, you'll be able to find it but um it's it if you didn't like the movie now we would all hate it after we watched that. If we watched that, because that's where I feel like they're pulling in a lot of that narration from, where they're talking about the the thing that grows in concrete and all this stuff, right? Yeah. I thought they were talking about the love blooming, or you know, he's choosing life over dying. But actually, that's probably in relation. That's probably in. Uh, they're probably talking about the success that he ends up having that with makes, the shoe. That makes in so the other much, version. That makes so much of the narration make so much more sense. Um, yeah. And and I, I I hate it nonetheless because like the whole the whole point was his failure. If 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 in the end it's like actually the shoe does great, then it's like, I mean it doesn't like it doesn't justify it's all just the development. A full house. It's just a full house episode. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah. Like some some uh, hotshot walks in. He's like, oh, it's a great shoe. Let me order nine uh, million of them and then they make all their money back and he gets his job back and um and then uh you know uh ellen sees him with uh claire and gets super jealous we could we could do it all but uh, i don't know where we're going with any of that so yeah yeah, exactly it's uh but you're so right that like just all of that plus the fact that orlando bloom doesn't really show us much emotion i mean he just he and he doesn't also he also doesn't show us that he's like this person who's like obsessed with his career and uh you know gave it all up for his career we don't get that either we just don't get like yeah. anything to start with as a baseline right so it's just right. weird um so, yeah i mean we who would be better <sighs> who, who would be, be great someone be dark? great for his role not necessarily even dark hey, but just somebody who who's be like, great less, less, on? like understated yusuf uh 
Farn hates Riz Ahmed. That's <laughs> oh, oh, you said no. Oh, you're suggesting Riz Ahmed. Um, wow. No, 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 no. Dude, no. he's detached as hell, man. That would be something. <laughs> and there would be a lot of racial tones in that movie, uh, that version of it as well. <laughs> that version might be out there. There's By the way, there was one black guy in the whole movie. <laughs> one. Well, I mean, when you have Paula Dean, you have where? to be careful how many. Yeah. I, mean, I know. I know. <laughs> That's <is> messed up. <laughs> one dude. He was in the funeral. He didn't even have any lines. They just put him in there as a token guy. They're like, oh, we don't want to get any flack for this. It is Kentucky, this. man. It is Elizabethtown, Kentucky specifically. Yeah, Come fair. On. Yeah, anything more about this movie, guys? So, yeah, basically, I, I um, this is feel good sometimes at its best and sometimes at its worst. This is a, this is a typical feel good movie is what I'll say. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I will summarize this with my my favorite scene and my least favorite scene. Uh, mm. My least favorite is is him driving to Elizabethtown for the first time, and he misses exit sixty B. Oh my god, dude! And he's sitting in the car, <laughs> and he's like, "Did I miss sixty B? Did I miss sixty B?" And he's like punching the air and yeah, everything. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah. assuming we have the we're, we're seeing the vision of the camera person, right? I can feel the director over my shoulder, and like he's telling. Orlando Bloom, like, no, like, punch the air, punch the, punch yeah, the ceiling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I can, it, it was, it, that was bad. And I mean, it's because Orlando yeah. Bloom doesn't know how to do that to begin with and had to be told too much. Uh, <laughs> my favorite scene, though, is him at the end of that drive, driving into Elizabethtown, and you kind of get this, like, slow montage, and everyone's waving, and everyone's pointing him on because everyone knows who he is, and, and you get a sense of that community, yeah. right? Um, yeah. And you get to see all the, I mean, obviously, there's a lot of signals in that scene as well of uh, mm-hmm. who loved Mitch uh, Baylor and uh, you know how much they loved him. Um, I think that was and the music in that scene. Um, I think that little intro into Elizabethtown was like really beautiful and it gives you kind of the feel good that you want. So there's there's high moments and there's low moments. That's what I'll say for sure. And like I think what Yusuf said early on is quite apt. Is that if you're rooting for Claire and Drew, it makes it a pretty good watch. And the writing I thought is pretty solid, pretty funny. Cool. So. Well, you guys. Uh... You guys gave this a lot m- more positive things to say than I thought you were going to. So I mean, I mean, listen, I, I can hate a movie and I, I can find some some nice nuggets. Uh, you know, there's always something enjoyable in these movies. There's something you can think about or pick your brain with. Yeah. Um, I, I totally disagree that like you know everything has to be horrible just because I didn't like it overall. You know, so um, right, right. You know, y- you can you can find things and enjoy this movie. Probably the majority, eh, it's up for debate, right? But um, there, there's there's good moments. Yeah, Farn, and we're not 14 anymore. That's true. I don't know why you thought 14-year-olds would love this movie. <laughs> yeah, dude, I was, uh, for some reason, I was I was way, I was way older than uh, my body at times, and then I was, like, way younger <laughs> than my body at times. Anyways. All right, we'll leave it at that, guys. Thank you. That's what we're leaving it out at? No, you're going to cut away before that. Thanks for listening to this production of The Twice Over. If you enjoyed this episode, consider subscribing and sharing it with a friend. Want to see what your tally is? Check out thetwiceover.com. All the movies we've done are listed there, as well as what we're watching for the current week. Follow us at The Twice Over on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, where you can leave us any suggestions, feedback, or comments. And if you're about it, you can also support us on Patreon. The music you hear on this podcast is from Amerigo Gazaway. You can find his work on Bandcamp and Spotify. 